Turn your Bible to the book of Daniel. We're going to be in the book of Daniel this morning. Daniel chapter number, yes, Daniel chapter number five. So go ahead and find your place there. You know, we're continuing our self-aware sermon series. Let me ask you, are you self-aware this morning? Now, I know you probably think that you do, uh, that you are. Most of us will say, yeah, Marcus, man, I know myself. And, but I would argue, do you really know yourself? If you were with us last Sunday, we went through a, a few things. But I don't believe you can really know yourself unless you know the one who knows you better than anybody else. Do you know yourself, right? Now, the point of being a believer, of being a Christian, isn't so that you get to know yourself and how wonderful you are and like examine your, like what is, examine your navel and just discover all the wonderful things about being you. That's not the point of being a believer, but self-awareness, knowing yourself is a benefit of being a believer along with forgiveness and a clean conscience and having purpose in life and everlasting life in eternity. Uh, but another benefit of being a believer, of being a Christian, is being self-aware, of knowing who you are in Christ, right? Because God wants us to take advantage of this one life that he's given us. But what we do on this side of eternity uh, affects what happens on the other side of eternity. And all of us uh, will live forever in one or two places. And you choose and you decide, right? We make a choice. We either allow God to rule sovereignly in our life and to rule and to reign, or we choose for him not to, right? Guys, should I just switch microphones real quick? Because that's making a lot of noise. Bob, what'd you do? Warmer, warmer, colder, colder. Let's see. Of all places, you could have put this microphone this morning, Bob. You put it on the floor. Listen, uh, God, God, uh, is it either ruling and reigning in our life, or he simply isn't, right? Uh, if we walk with God, we trust God, we follow God's ways, we're going to live with a certain amount of self-awareness. But if we do not, we're going to have major blind spots in our life that are going to affect every area of our life, whether we know it or not. So again, this morning, we're going back to the book of Daniel. I want to show you what happens when somebody is not uh, living a life of self-awareness, when they're painfully unaware when somebody refuses to learn from history uh, when that history is literally happening right in front of them here's what happens when somebody doesn't really know themselves literally when someone refuses to read the handwriting on the wall have you heard that expression before the writing on the wall this story is where we get that expression from last week we met a guy this crazy king who was so ate up with pride and he couldn't even recognize it and didn't know it and god had to humble him in incredible ways before he finally repented turned from his sins and really went the way that god wanted him to go look at this next slide his name was nebuchadnezzar say nebuchadnezzar on the count of three one two three nebuchadnezzar oh nezzar right and so nebuchadnezzar had a grandson look at this next name his name is Belshazzar. Count three, say Belshazzar. One, two, three. Belshazzar, right? Now, I just think they're fun to say. Now, Belshazzar is this millennial king. Like, he's in his 20s. He's this young man. He's this young king. And again, his granddaddy was Nebuchadnezzar. And this millennial you can just picture him in a coffee shop, right? He wouldn't go to Starbucks. He's too cool for Starbucks, okay? It's got to be somewhere, you know, right. He's got his skinny jeans on. His John Elliott shirt is too long and probably has holes in it. 
and he's got his iPhone out ordering something from Amazon Prime, okay, while he's sipping his poured-over coffee, right? I like to think of Belshazzar as our hipster king. That's just how I think of him, okay? And his, he, was, uh, he got a text message one day, right? He was the grandson of Paul Paul Nebuchadnezzar, and he finds out, hey, Belshazzar, you're going to rule and reign over the kingdom. And he did. Now, Belshazzar liked to party. Belshazzar lived to party, and he partied to live. That's what he liked to do. And uh, he decided to throw, in Daniel 5, he decided to throw this massive party, this huge rave. Everybody's there. TMZ's there. The red carpet's there, right? The, all the A-listers are there. All the important people in the kingdom are there at the party. It's unbelievable. Uh, he had the wives there. He had the dancers there. And he had his concubines there. Everybody who is anybody is there. He is throwing a party, this millennial hipster king. And so, listen, and what's amazing is archaeologists have, okay, this happens, our story happens in Babylon, and the river Euphrates runs through there, and they've discovered, archaeologists have actually dug out, found tunnels that went under the river Euphrates that had these banquet halls that could literally seat thousands of people. It's amazing, and they found this plaster. There's this plaster that archaeologists have uncovered, and now plaster that to your mind. I want you to remember that plaster that they discovered. But anyway, so Belshazzar, big party taking place. Everybody is doing what they do. He's the man of the hour. He thinks he's safe and secure, right? The walls of Babylon are 350 feet high in some places, 87 feet thick. Um, three chariots could ride around the top side by side. Had over a hundred guard towers, well protected. And as far as water, uh, the river, again, the river Euphrates snaked through the city of Babylon. They had a permanent water supply, or so they thought. And as far as food, we're told that uh, Babylon had enough food to last them for 20 years if they didn't get anything else. And so these people are feeling safe and secure. And Belshazzar has, Belshazzar, Belshazzar has no idea that on this very day, it's going to be his last day on the earth. It's going to be his last day alive. Now, here's, God is literally going to crash his party. The question is, what do you do when the party's over? What do you do when the party's over, when it's finished? He had no idea, and we don't either. He died completely self-unaware. And so this morning, in your notes, I put a couple of stages Again, last week we were talking about pride, and we're talking about it again this week. Stages of living a life of, without awareness of who we are and who God is. Number one, write this first one down. The first one is the delusional stage. Now, if you're self-unaware, if you're living life without an awareness of who you are in Christ, you're delusional, drunk with deception. Now, look in your Bible at Daniel chapter 5, and I'm going to start in verse number 1. It says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. And while he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem. Now there it says father. Okay, father Nebuchadnezzar. Keep in mind that word in the Hebrew is interchangeable with grandfather. You have to know the context to know which one it is. Nebuchadnezzar was Belshazzar's grandfather. Belshazzar's daddy was Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. And that was his father. And Nebuchadnezzar was his grandfather. But this is just a, a word that can mean either one, father or grandfather. So you just remember that as you see it. Right? And you remember last week we talked about 
that whenever Babylon, whenever uh, old Nebuchadnezzar, old Nebuchadnezzar, whenever they invaded a country, they would take the best stuff back, right? They would bring back all the good stuff. They'd bring back the best people, the best things. They'd even bring their lowercase g gods uh, back many times. And so that's what we see happening uh, here. They brought back these gold and silver items which were used in the temple for worship, okay? Look at the rest, the rest of verse 2. It says that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. Now, he's kind of shoving it in God's face at this point, isn't he? Right? I mean, how, like he's totally trying to rub it in God's face. We conquered your people. We took over your temple. We took your gold and silver vessels and then bringing it. And now I'm going, we're going to use them. We're going to get drunk. We're going to have a party because I'm telling you, God, you don't rule. I rule. I'm the number one man around here. Right? I am sovereign over my own life. I make all the decisions and I call all the shots. And I'm just going to rub it in God's face by drinking out of these vessels. He completely, he has forgotten what's happened to his grandfather. He's forgotten what's happened in history. Again, if you were with us last week, and he's saying, I'm God, basically, you're not. He's delusional, completely. He's lost all sense of self-awareness. He does not know who he is. He doesn't know who God is. He's making light of the holy. He's making light of the holy, right? He's taking the sacred and he's making it secular. He's taking the sacred and he's making it secular. Right? And maybe, you know, he's literally, they stole this from God. And maybe you're thinking this morning, well, I would never do that. I would never steal from God. I would never take the holy and, uh, and use it that way. I would never take the sacred and make it secular. Well, God says that 10% of everything we have belongs to him. Do you give God 10% of everything uh, that you have. Malachi 3 verse 8. It says will a man rob God. Yet you have robbed me. But you say in what way have we robbed you. In tithes and offerings. Those aren't my words. Those are God's words. Be mad with God. Whenever I take that 10% that belongs to God. And I use it on myself or some other thing. I'm taking the sacred. And I'm making it secular. I'm taking the holy. And making it secular. I'm literally stealing from God. That's what God's word says. Taking the sacred and making it secular. I'm mocking the things of God. And if I'm not careful, uh, when I take the blessings of God and I misuse them, it actually puts a blockade up, puts a wall up in my life where I can no longer see God, I can't see myself, or other people the way that God would want me to see them. Are you stealing from God? Again, sometimes we're really delusional. We lie to ourselves. I would never do that. Yet many of us are. And Belshazzar is delusional. Pride will cause you to live a life where you're absolutely lying to yourself. We, think about 2019. We make fun of sacred things. We make fun of the family, right? Just turn on any TV show. We make fun of the family, the institution of marriage. One man and one woman has completely gone out the window. We make fun of it. We make fun of authority figures. We abuse them. We're self-unaware, and we live with a great deal of pride. We're delusional. We're fooling ourselves. Self-unaware. Number two, that leads to the second thing. I call this the disrespect stage. Disrespect. When we're delusional, and we're taking the sacred, and we're making it secular, when we're full of pride and ate up with pride, eventually it leads to a great deal of disrespect. Again, we talk about the things of God that deserve respect, authority figures in our life that deserve respect. 
We don't have respect for positions of authority anymore. Uh, just ask a school teacher. Right? I mean, just ask the average school teacher and they'll tell you. Right? But then ask the average school teacher <clears throat> if they respect their Sunday school teacher enough to show up more than once a month. Right? Uh, ask the, uh, anybody in a position of authority. We all have authority above us and beyond us. And we show respect in a lot of different ways. The things that we used to would whoop children for, adults are now doing it. And they mostly do it on social media. But look at this in Daniel chapter 5 verse 4. Belshazzar, they drank wine. And they didn't, it's not bad enough that they're doing what they're doing. But it says, and they praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and, and, and iron and wood and stone. I mean, how dumb, how sacrilegious do you have to be? I mean, it's, and okay, so what happens next is scary. It would freak anybody out if this happened. Look at this next verse in verse 5. It says, and so here's what happened. He's mocking God. He's making fun of God. And no respect for authority. No respect for God. Delusional. The writing's on the wall. It says, in the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster. Remember a moment ago we talked about the archaeologists? discovering plaster when they dug up in this very site. It's amazing how precise and accurate and true God's word is. Okay, that's just a little side thing there. Uh, and the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened, and his knees not together. Knocked against each other. He goes from being the hipster king of Babylon to being shaggy and Scooby-Doo in three seconds. Knees literally knocking together. These words were written on the plaster, but nobody knew what they meant. So Belshazzar is freaking out. He freaks out. And I mean, I, I understand that, but kind of, there's part of me that wants to ask, why? Why did you freak out? Why did he just assume that this is a bad thing? Now there's these words on the plaster that some hand wrote, some finger wrote, and we don't know what the words mean. Nobody knew what they mean, but he knew it meant something bad. Why did Belshazzar automatically assume that this message from God was bad? I'll tell you why. His conscience. I mean, why, why else didn't he go, oh, this is great. This is great. Oh, God's telling me how awesome I am. God's telling me how cool I am. God's telling me what a good king I am. Why not? His conscience. His conscience is the same thing that we have. God has given us a conscience, con science, with knowledge. God has given us a knowledge of right and wrong. I mean, why is it when oftentimes you invite somebody to church and they make up every excuse why not this week, not this week, not this week? Many times it's because of their conscience. There's something bugging them in their conscience and they don't want to go and they don't want to deal with it. Think about when Adam and Eve sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned and God was coming through, the, coming through the garden and they hid themselves. Why did they hide themselves? Their conscience. They knew they had done wrong. Think about King Herod. Remember King Herod took off John the Baptist's head? Right? People have been trying to take Baptist's heads off ever since. Amen? But listen. Listen. 2019. Listen to me. King Herod took off John the He executed John the Baptist. Then when he, hear about, he hears about this Jesus guy that's out there preaching and doing miracles, what does King Herod think? Oh, maybe that's John the Baptist. Maybe John the Baptist has come back. Why would he think that? His conscience. His guilty conscience. God has given us this. 
Belshazzar knew deep down inside that he had messed up and that he was messed up. He knew it. He knew it in his heart. He had a moment of clarity. A moment of clarity and all of God. Look at this next slide. This morning, how's your conscience? Is it fine? Is it really fine? If you're really self-aware, then your conscience is going to be on point. That little bit of sin, that lustful thought, that prideful statement, that moment of greed, that moment of gossip, that moment of a critical spirit, your conscience is going to let you know. But the king, like us, many times rebounded really quick. Yeah, 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 no, no, big deal, no, 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 it's cool, 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 everything's fine, everything's fine, it's good, I just need somebody to interpret that for me, everything's okay. Everything's going to be fine. So they bring in all the PhDs. They bring in all the gurus. And nobody could translate it for him. So uh, here he is. Uh, nobody can interpret it for him. And so then his meemaw shows up. Anybody in here got a meemaw this morning? Raise your hand. No, Y'all don't have grandmothers. Anybody got a grandmother this morning? Listen, meemaw, the queen mother, shows up. And she encourages him. She's like, oh, poor belty belt. Poor baby. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. And what she does is she tells him there was this man, Daniel, and he helped your grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar. And this Daniel guy, he's tight with Jehovah God. And God gives him the words. And he spoke into the life of old King Nebuchadnezzar, and it changed his life. Call Daniel, and Daniel will be able to give you the interpretation. So they had to call Daniel. Now, you know why they had to call Daniel? Because Daniel wasn't there. Do you know why Daniel wasn't there? Because he wasn't invited. You want to know why Daniel wasn't invited? Real Daniels don't get invited to parties like that. Real Daniels don't get invited to parties like that. So they had to go get Daniel. Daniel was probably in bed early getting ready for worship the next day. Hey, wake up Daniel. We need him. So here comes Daniel. By the way, what do you think Daniel thought? Walking through there, all the drugs, the nakedness. The, the alcohol, the strippers, the concubines, the wives, all this mess. What do you think he thought? How do you, I mean, what do you think he thought? But Daniel, we'll talk about that in a minute. So Daniel looks at the three words and he gives an interpretation. Look at verse 26. Daniel says, this is the interpretation of each word. Uh, uh, Manny, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Manny, you're over. Over. Done. Belshazzar, Over. Verse 27, Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and been found wanting. Paris, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Now, as you read this, one of the things you need to remember is, while he's throwing this party, the city of Babylon is literally surrounded by the Medes and Persians. And they're so convinced that they're invulnerable, they're throwing parties. They're, li they're partying like it's 1999, okay? They're just doing whatever they want to do. He doesn't learn from history. And here Daniel's telling them, and Belshazzar realizes, man, my people, Nebuchadnezzar, my people repented, and God did some things in his life, but he refuses to listen, and he's going to do what he wants to do. It's like many of you grandparents, some of them grandbabies don't listen to you either, do they? The Medes and the Persians had them surrounded. Again, they thought that they were invincible, but here's what the Medes and the Persians did. It was genius. I told you that the river Euphrates snaked through uh, the city. And so what they did was they diverted the water from the river Euphrates a little bit. And so over time, 
the river slowly, the, the water level lowered, 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 lowered. Nobody noticed. Lowered, lowered. And then one day they marched their army right in through the riverbed, right under the walls of the city, and whooped everybody in one night. It happened this very night that we're talking about. So what do you do when the party's over? What do you do when God says the time is up? So many people are delusional. Delusional. And they're absolutely disrespecting God. But here's Daniel. You can't help but notice Daniel. Daniel is very self-aware. It doesn't matter if you're in the Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 5. It doesn't matter where you are. Daniel is Daniel. Daniel's a man of God. Different situations, same Daniel. And he's here giving this advice to old King Belty. But the reason why he's doing it is because he's a man who people know speaks for God. I'm going to give you a couple of practical points from Daniel before we move on. Write this down. Integrity usually brings opportunities over time. Integrity usually brings opportunities over time. I know it may seem like the guys at work that lie, cheat, steal, or whatever it is, it may seem like the worst people get the promotions, the worst people get the raises and things like that. Listen, those things don't last. Integrity usually gets the opportunities over the long haul. You can see this in the life of David. Because, I mean, Daniel. Daniel knew God. Daniel knew himself. And he lived a life of integrity. Next, write this down. Honor usually brings respect. Honor usually brings respect. Daniel, even though he's walking in the party with the strippers and the concubines and the drugs and the alcohol and the naked people, even though he walks in, even though he had to have turned his stomach, he still treats the king with honor. He gives honor to the position. He treated him with respect. And you know he didn't respect the person, but he respected the position. That's something that we've lost today in 2019. And so Daniel gives him a history lesson. He gives him a theology lesson. Look at verse number 18 in your Bible. Let's kind of recap last week. Here's what he told him. He says, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart Although you knew this, you knew this is true and you willfully decided to ignore it and to reject it. Your people was all ate up with pride and God had to humble him in an incredible way. And you know the story, you know the lesson, but you're choosing to ignore it. You keep saying no to Jehovah God. You say no, no, no. Look at this next slide. And one day, God is going to add, put his no on top of your no. And that's true for all of us. The time is coming where God is going to put his no on top of our no. You can't come to Jesus anytime you want to. Do you know why? Because someday you're out of time. Someday you're out of time. You don't know when that'll be. And so he gives the king a Bible lesson, and Belshazzar again just refutes. So honor, you know, usually will bring respect and opportunity. Integrity will bring opportunity. And when we share the truth, write this down. Truth brings decision. The truth will bring a decision. We're sharing the gospel truth this morning. You're going to have to make a decision. 
But that's why he shared it with the king so that he could choose. Go down to verse 22 in your Bible. At the last part of verse 22 it says, Although you knew this, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Whoa. Belshazzar was oblivious to the obvious. Belshazzar was oblivious to the obvious. Have you ever known people like this? You know what the deal is in their life. You see the issue in their life. You see how God has been dealing with them and patient with them and his loving kindness and how they've been given opportunity after opportunity to get right, but they seem to be oblivious to the obvious. For some of you, if you keep going the way that you're going, the writing is on the wall. But if you'll turn and go the way that God wants you to go, the writing's in the book. It's a simple process. We're delusional and we lie to ourselves and that equals disrespect. And number three, ultimately that leads to, write this down, that leads to destruction. Destruction. Every time, either now or in eternity. Belshazzar said no to God and that led to his destruction. It's pretty simple. Go down to verse number 30 in your Bible. It says, that very night, which night? That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom. You have to understand this morning that God is a God of wrath. God is a God of wrath. It's not going to make it onto a coffee mug, okay? Nobody's going to paint a beautiful sign and hang it over their door. But our God is a God of wrath. He's a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath. And you go, Brother Marcus, God is a God of wrath. Yes, have you read the book? And what does he pour his wrath out on? Sin and rebellion. Sin and rebellion. God wants everybody to repent. There's not one time in all of God's word where people weren't given an opportunity to change direction. They're always given a chance to repent before God pours out his judgment. God wants everyone to repent. That's his will that you have a choice. And someday, though, when we keep saying no, 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 God is going to put his no on top of your no. And it's going to be no forever. You'll be eternally separated from him. Now, we've talked about this before. Believers, if you're a Christian here this morning, some of you are saying no to God about different areas of your life. And it's obvious in your sinful heart and attitudes. Right? You know it. Your conscience tells you. You've been in rebellion against God, rebellion against the things of God. You've become delusional and disrespectful. Right? Living with a lack of integrity, maybe. And maybe the destruction part hasn't happened. God will chastise his children. It's biblical. He loves you. You love your kids. It's biblical. And so sooner or later when we refuse to listen to the loving hand of God, the chastising hand of God comes when we keep saying no, no, no. His no goes on top of our no. And there's discipline from God. But there's the the place where we go. uh, It's called the great white throne judgment. Uh, That's for lost people. So we have the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. Saved people go to the judgment seat of Christ. And that's where we're going to give an accounting for everything we've done or not done. It's where our works are going to be judged, right? We're not saved by works, but our works matter. We carry our works with us in eternity. And God is going to decide why we did what. What was the reason? See, it doesn't matter if if you preach, but you do it for the wrong reason. It doesn't doesn't count in your good. Or take up the offering or sing a special. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many people you feed. It doesn't matter how many good works you do out here if you do it for the wrong reason. It doesn't matter how many times you do good things. Right? It's the why we do what we do. And then it's what we do 
with what God has given us. Those things are going to be judged. They, with salvation comes accountability. With salvation comes accountability. But then also at the great white throne judgment where non-believers are going to be judged, if their name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life, God is going to put his no on top of their no, and they're going to be eternally separated from God forever. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2, it says, Behold, now, say now, is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Belshazzar had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to get his life right. And he said, no, 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 no. He said no to God. And maybe you're here this morning and you know you've been saying no to God as a believer or as an unbeliever. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, listen, those three words that were said, that were written in the plaster on the wall to Belshazzar is true for us too. Your days are numbered. Your days are numbered. Your works have been weighed and you've been found wanting. You're not perfect. And the standard is perfection and perfect holiness. Your days are numbered. Your works have been weighed. You've been found wanting. And you are lacking what you need to spend eternity with God. And if you keep putting your no out there, eventually God is going to put his no on your no. But the good news is, is when you say yes to Jesus, he'll put his yes on top of your yes. And you'll, spend, you'll be absolutely forgiven of all your sins and spend an eternity with him in heaven. And not just that, for the first time in your life, begin the process of being self-aware. Why on earth has God put me here on earth? You can only discover that through Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. In our time of worship, God, I just, I just pray that your word is penetrating hearts even now. Listen, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes. Assume a posture of prayer for just a moment. If you're here this morning, you know that you're saved, right? The Holy Spirit confirms with your spirit that you're a child of God. You're a child of the King. You know that you're saved. Let me ask you, are you living a life of integrity? Like Daniel? Do people know that they can turn to you in the time of crisis? Are you living a life of integrity? Are you living a life of honor? Are you showing respect to those authorities that God has uh, put into your life? Or are you living a life of disrespect? Do people respect you because you show honor where honor is due? Are you willing, like Daniel, to speak the truth, to share the gospel, the good news with lost people, men, women, boys, and girls? Are you willing to share the truth so people can make a decision to trust Christ? This morning, simply this, is it your prayer that as the years go by, you're a believer, and it's your prayer that you become more and more like Jesus. Will you slip your hand up all over? I want to pray for all of us. That's my prayer this morning. More of Jesus, less of me. Father God, will you help us? Will you keep us on the path of integrity? God, we're so grateful for the examples that we have in your word. God, we want people to know that we're your people and that we spend time with you. God, we want to point people to you. God, help us to live a life of honor. Lord, may we be respected for the honor that we give to you and to others. God, may we never be found described as disrespectful. 
Help us to point people to you, to live an honorable life, a respectful life that honors you. Father God, help us to be willing in every situation to lovingly speak the truth so that people can make a decision. So you can put your yes on their yes, Father. Help us, Lord, to be more like Jesus every day. Look up for just a second. For those of you this morning that you don't know that you know that you know, you don't know for sure that you're saved, you haven't locked it down. As a matter of fact, Belshazzar's story is kind of like your story. You've been saying no, 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 not today, not today. I'll get right tomorrow. I'll get right some other time. I know the gospel. I just, I'll do that later. I guarantee Belshazzar thought he had until later too, but he didn't. You can't choose Christ anytime that you want to because someday you'll be out of time. And you don't know when that is. But here's what I know. You're here now. And if you're still breathing, God's not done. God's not done. And He's brought you to this moment of decision where you can respond to the truth. Romans 6, verse 23. Look at this verse. It says, For the wages of sin is death. The wrath of God. The wrath of God. He will judge sin and he will judge it rightly. But the gift of God, the love of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's like a road. that, that, that There's a fork in the road. One way goes to damnation and death. The other way goes to an eternity with Jesus. Forgiven. A right relationship now with God and forever. What are you going to do when the party's over? What are you going to do when the party's over? It's going to end. I want to encourage you this morning. Put your yes. Jesus already said yes. When he went to the cross and died for your sins, death, burial, resurrection for your salvation. He said yes over 2,000 years ago. And he's waiting for you to say yes. When you say yes, you put that with his yes, it'll change your life forever. Let's pray with Every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, you hear, you know that you need Jesus, that you're a sinner, that your sin has separated you from God, and you need to be saved, man. Listen, right there in your seat, I will not call you out. I will not drag you forward. We, listen, I wouldn't embarrass you for anything. That's not what we do here. You know that. But I just want to pray with you. So if in your heart right now, you know that you need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Nobody's looking, every head bowed, every eye closed. You know that you need to get saved right now. Would you just slip your hand up for just a second so I can pray with you? God bless you. Who else? Go ahead. God bless you. I see you. I see you. All right, you can put your hands down. Listen. It's simply this. It's not you being good enough. It's not you even saying the right words. It's you humbling yourself in your heart to God and simply asking Him to save you. Maybe you could pray a prayer like this and say, Father God, I'm a sinner. Just tell Him right there in your seat, Lord, I'm a sinner. I sin. But Lord, I turn from my sin and I'm turning to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Tell them right there in your seat. Say, Father God, save me. Your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. All of me, I surrender to all of Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Listen, you pray a prayer like that. You're sincere and honest with God. He just saved you. He's given you the Holy Spirit. You now have resurrection power in your life. 
I want to encourage you to make that decision public.